Ready to stop trading time for money and build a business that can scale? Then you're in good company. This is the Productize Podcast, where I chat with entrepreneurs who've transformed their businesses using the Productize service model. I'm your host, Brian Castle. Want to learn my best strategies for productizing your business? Then get my free crash course by going to productizecourse.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Productize Podcast. Today, you're going to hear my conversation with Mike Tabor. He's the uh, well-known co-host of the Startups for the Rest of Us podcast. He's the author of the Single Founder Handbook um, for, uh, for, for business owners who are getting up and running. But this conversation is actually focused on his previous business, which was called Audit Shark. And that was a software product that he worked on um, for a little while, and it kind of struggled from the classic challenge that most businesses have when they're selling to the enterprise, and that is extremely long sales cycles. Now we're talking about six to 12 months or longer just to close one sale. Now that can be uh, pretty frustrating, especially when you're trying to launch a new software product off the ground. But in 2015, Mike decided to offer a productized service along with his service, uh, his server auditing software. And within 30 days, he actually made three sales. So now talk about a turnaround, you know, with just a simple tweak to the model and the way that it was sold. Now, this conversation happened uh, in, about midway through 2015, uh, so you know, uh, a, a little while back. Since since this conversation, Mike actually shut down the Audit Shark business uh, to focus on writing his book, The Single Founder Handbook, and um, and launching another business. Uh, but I think it's interesting to kind of go back and hear some of the challenges, but then some of the quick wins that he had when he did pivot to go to this productized service model. Uh, with Audit Shark. And so specifically, you're going to hear those specific challenges and why long sales cycles are so tough to deal with in the early days. Um, and then the actual customer conversations that led Mike to the idea of of productizing his software service. And then, uh, and then how Mike actually launched the new offer using a single webinar, which was interesting. And then the mechanics of delivering his service and then scaling it. So we'll get into all that in, uh, in just a minute. Now, today's quick tip when it comes to productized services is to price based on value. One of the key differences between a productized service and traditional freelancing is you're moving away from billing by the hour. You're moving away from selling your time for money and building a business that's based entirely around time. A productized service is much more based around value. And by that, specifically, I'm talking about solving a, a very specific problem. Now, when a business has a problem that's so painful that they're willing to pay money for it to be solved, that's value. And the amount that they're willing to pay um, often aligns or you know, it, it balances out with that value that they expect to receive. Sometimes you can, you can you know, quantify that exactly to a dollar amount. You know, this service will make you X dollars by next month. Um, that's, that's great when it happens, but sometimes it's not, it's not that clear cut. Uh, still, you know, you're, you're setting a, a, a set price for a set solution that solves a specific problem. And I think it's important to offer a couple of different price tiers. And, uh, and we can talk about that in, in another quick tip. Um, but, um, you know, the key here is to, is to put a, a simple price tag on your solution to a problem and base that price tag on the value that the, uh, that the customer receives. So that's a quick tip, price based on value. Now on to the conversation with Mike Tabor. Okay, so we're back with another case study uh, here in, in the productized course. Uh, I've got my friend Mike Tabor on the, 
on the call here. You know, many of you may know Mike from uh, Startups for the Rest of Us and a bunch of other things, uh, but we're going to be talking about Mike's business, Audit Shark. So, uh, Mike, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Cool. So, um, so why don't you tell us, like, in a nutshell, like, what what is Audit Shark and and what what have you been doing with it the last uh, for you know for the last couple you know year or two? Okay, so Audit Shark is a piece of software that's designed to allow you to go out into a network and take a look at the configuration settings on different computers in the environment, pull them back, and then allow you to report on them. And it gives you a line-by-line, essentially itemized uh, detail of exactly how those machines are configured and whether or not they're configured correctly. So for any given line item, you'll get an okay or a not okay result that tells you, is it configured correctly or not for this particular thing? So it will look at things like, um, you know, is the password history set up to be, you know, at least 10 long? So it'll, it'll maintain it. Like you can't reuse the same password, um, until it kind of rolls over 10 times or is your password length at least X characters long? Mm -hmm. Um, and it is cross-platform, so it'll run against uh, Unix, Linux, uh, Windows, uh, OS X, etc. Um, it, it, the, the console itself runs on Windows, but it can access any of those machines. So you don't need to install software on those machines in order to be able to get information back. So the intent behind that is to be able to drop it into a network and gather information about the current state of that network and how secure it is in relation to like a, a policy that you set forth. So you, if your internal security guidelines say that every machine has to meet these standards, this software goes into the environment and based on that will tell you whether or not line by line each machine is is compliant to that standard. So you might have a, a standard that is, I don't know, 100 items long. And if you have 100 machines in your environment, you've got 10,000 data points to check on on all of your machines in your network. And you should be doing that probably on a regular basis, maybe once a month, once a week, something like that. Well, you can't do that by hand. It's just not possible. Um, going out and checking 10,000 data points on you know all these machines, it's, you're just never going to do it. Yeah. So the so, intent so is to be able to automate that. It usually just doesn't that. get done, I guess. Yes, it doesn't <laughs> get done. Um, so, and then once you get into the larger environments where they really do have these standards, it's intended to automate that whole process because it can't be done by hand. It's just not feasible to have one person or even 10 people go around and gather that information. It's just too too expensive. Gotcha. So, okay. So, you know, we're talking about like larger organizations with, you know, computer networks. Um, some are like distributed, some some work in office environments. So this is this all sounds to me like a enterprise sales type of arena that we're that we're working in. Um, Generally speaking, yes. Yeah, and I mean, even when you know we were talking before this, even even when you're talking about small businesses, it's still small businesses with like 50 employees. You know, I mean, we're. I know that a lot of people coming into the productize course tend to be kind of like solo uh, kind of consultants doing like design, marketing, copywriting even like accountants and things. But I know that there are a number, like a segment of people who come in to look at productized services from this enterprise sales perspective. Um, and I, I think it'll be interesting to hear from you on that because I, I know that um, I've, I've, wor I've worked with um, like enterprise sales coaches. Like they go into these large sales teams and they're kind of working at that level where it's all kind of um, relationship-based and, and things like that. So... Um, so this is interesting. I mean, what, what it sounds like to me is the software was designed to, to basically automatically check all these, all these computers and then without getting into the, the technical nitty-gritty of it, essentially it, it automates this task that would, 
normally be done manually by uh, a, a consultant to come into one of these organizations, right? Right. And so um, the I forget the exact technical term that's that's used for it, but essentially, oh, it's sampling. So um, typically, when an auditor comes into an environment and there's 500 machines, they won't check every machine. They will check a sample of say 20 of them mm. because it's not feasible to go out to 500 machines. But the reality is, once you get into security, what you're looking for is those exceptions. You know, where's where's the machine that's tucked under somebody's desk that's still running Windows XP, which is no longer supported by Microsoft, is no longer getting patches. You know, where is that machine, or is it? Does it exist? And if it's tucked under somebody's desk or in a closet someplace, it may be on the network. But because you didn't actively select it, you don't necessarily know that it's there. And Audit Shark is designed to allow you to find those machines on the network and gather information from them, even if you don't know where they physically are. So that's where you know it kind of goes above and beyond that sampling effort because. If you're going to do it manually, you can only do so many of them. And if you're on a you know a, a three or four week engagement with a company, you you can't spend the time doing that. It's not it's not productive. It's not going to help the customer really. So you sample a small subset of machines. With Audit Shark, you can get everything, and it doesn't matter. Right. So you know, in this call, we're going to be talking about how this relates to productized services, right? And and um, just knowing your your story from this, it actually reminds me a lot of uh, the transition that I made with Restaurant Engine. Obviously, it's a completely different product, completely different market. But um, I know that early on, I had uh, I had launched Restaurant Engine, intending for it to be totally a software product. Customers would come on and use it themselves to create their own websites. We would maybe support them, but that would that would be about it. Um, and then you know, a year or two into it, it, it really became much more of a productized service where we're, we're using our software to do the work for the clients and, and, and we've had much more success with that. So I'm curious to, to know about um, what kind of, so how did things transition? Like, how did you start out with, with Audit Shark? What was the initial uh, vision or plan for this product and how did you get kind of the first, um, first customers? Sure. So the initial vision was to take what was essentially an enterprise level problem and move it down into the small business space. And when I say enterprise versus small business, really what I'm talking about is, you know, 500 employees and up and then moving a product like that down into uh, areas where it's under, you know, 50 or 100 employees. And what I found was that those types of customers found the software interesting, but they didn't necessarily want to do that work. Um, what the the problem I encountered was that when Audit Shark would go out and would identify all these different things that were wrong with somebody's environment, I would give them a report that says these are all the things that are wrong. Go fix them. And essentially, what I'm doing is I'm creating work for the customer, which is not a good position to be in. Like you don't want to be selling somebody a product that just generates more work for them. You actually want to you want to do the opposite somehow. And so for these smaller customers, what I found was that. They thought that it was great. They thought that the information was helpful, but one, they didn't know what to do with it, and two, they just didn't want to deal with kind of the aftermath. So I looked at that and said, "Okay, well, you know, what, you know, do I do I go into a different market? Do I, you know, rework the software? Do I just abandon it and go someplace else?" And what I realized was that taking um, 
the software itself and kind of putting it on the not the back burner, but basically putting it to the side and instead of pushing the software to them and pushing a service in front of it that said, hey, this is what you're going to get out of this service was a better option because a lot of that stuff was done for them. So, you know, yes, I was still kind of generating work for them, but they no longer had to deal with learning how to use the software. And if you compare Audit Shark to some of the other offerings, it's it's way easier to use, but Learning any given software package is still not necessarily easy. It still yeah. takes time. It's still something new that they weren't going to do otherwise. Right. So basically, by putting that serv- the Audit Shark lockdown service in front of that, I said, okay, hey, I'll come in and I will do all of this work for you. It was attractive to customers, especially in that small, medium business space where they didn't want to do that work because they didn't have the expertise and they didn't want to learn a new software package. Instead, I basically hand them a report at the end of the day that is basically walks through all the different findings that I've, I came across. I love it. I mean, it, it sounds, you know, I, I've been talking about this idea that software really only solves half the problem. The <laughs> software is just the tool. Once, just buying the tool does not solve the problem. To, you need to get the, the result out of it, and that takes implementing the tool and getting the insights and, and analyzing it and taking action. Um, yeah, and I think that as you, as you go up the, uh, up the market in terms of price from something like a SaaS offering to a productized service, I mean, obviously, there's, there's vast price differences between them. But when you have a, a, a product that you're trying to sell to somebody, it's basically, here's a tool that you can use. You're basically selling them a hammer. Um, versus selling them like a, you know, a, a wall or, or, you know, something that's completely done. Um, uh, the example I actually thought of the other day was, you know, if you're, you you buy a new house and you want to do gardening or, you know, landscaping, well, you can either go to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy a shovel, or you can, you know, go there and buy a, a much bigger tool that, you know, like a, a backhoe or something like that. And basically you're renting it and that's a SaaS offering. Or you can hire a contractor who's going to come in and do everything for you. And that's your, that's your productized yeah, service. exactly. And then you get to reap the benefits of like getting fresh vegetables or whatever it is, like from the garden. Yes. Know, rather than doing the work of <laughs> planting them and growing them and all that. Right. Um, cool. So, um are you able to share like any sort of numbers in terms of like, you know, uh, sales and, and even like pricing? Um, you know, once you, well, I'm, I'm curious, like, how did you roll out the new productized service offering from what was before? And like, what did the numbers kind of look like there? Yeah, so uh, I'll be blunt and say that this is a work in progress. Um, I don't have it dialed in yet. So I've tried a bunch Most of different things. Most of the case studies things. here are work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I've tried a couple of different prices in terms of the lockdown service. And uh, you know, part of the issue is that I don't necessarily know how long it's going to take me to do the work. Um, so I think that in the beginning, you just kind of slap a price on it and – you may or may not make money on it, but that's not really the point. The point is to figure out how long is this going to take you in an average environment? What does an average environment look like? Uh, you know, How long is the turnaround time? How much t- time and effort do you have to put into it? And how long is it going to take you to land customers? Um, so because all of those things are moving targets and as a productized service, your volume is significantly less, you just kind of throw something out there and see what happens. Um, when I first started doing this, I started with a price point of $1,800. So, and I had no idea how long it would take. I was like, this might take me a day. It might take me a week. I've got no idea. Um, and what I did was I, I put that out there. I did, did a webinar. I had five people come to the webinar and two of those people bought. 
So I ended up with $3,600 in revenue from doing a single webinar. Um, Pretty and, good conversion rate right there. Huh? Yeah, right five. there. Um, of course, you know, then you f- do follow up webinars to like the same email list, and then you get no sales, and it's like, okay, well, what am I doing wrong here? Because you start making adjustments. I mean, as soon as you make that first sale, you start adjusting things. You try and standardize a couple of things. You try and figure out how long it's going to take. You fool around with pricing. Um, I've tried higher prices. I've also tried doing comparison of pricing between what this service is versus what a competitor would charge. Um, you know, in I can add or remove things from the reports. I can talk about all the different benefits. And it's it's always a moving target. And that's the hardest part is that you don't necessarily know because of the low volume what people are interested in. You have to ask them. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's necessarily it, – it, it's helpful to some extent, but you have to – make judgment calls here or there just because you don't have the volume to work with. Um, and yeah. it's really the people who are paying you that those are the people whose opinions you're really, really interested in. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the uh, higher price point productized service. Um, and I mean, I like it better for my own new business audience apps better than what I was doing with Restaurant Engine because we only need like 10 clients to make this work pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and But... But you're right, like the challenge is like you can't kind of A-B test against high data points, you know, because you're, you know. But at the same time, like all you need is like five people on a webinar to, to make a sale or two. Right. And, and that can pay for the whole thing, and you know. So, yeah. Um, the other major difference here, though, is that like, for example, I, I, I'm familiar with audience ops that you're working on. Uh, with audience ops, there's this recurring element to it. With Audit Shark, there is with the with the lockdown service, there is not. I mean, I can come back and I can say, okay, and I've tried this as as well. I've bundled in. Um, you know, like, okay, I'll come in, I'll do a review of your environment. And then, oh, by the way, as part of this price, I'll also come back in 90 days to kind of give you a sanity check and see what things you've changed in that 90 days based on that initial report. And I'll take a look at your environment again and then see, you know, where, how much progress you've made. And does it make sense to come back and do this on a recurring basis? Um, But the reality is for the most part, the lockdown services do it once you're done and then kind of yeah yeah you know but as you but it does give the opportunity for like managed services in terms of security yeah exactly i you know um you were describing how the how the service works and um so the tool kind of does the initial audit it it gives you a whole report and these are the issues and you said like that kind of generates work for for the company like all right now you have to go address these issues um I mean, what what a lot of people in with productized services do is like they have the initial productized service offering, and and then that's kind of like a lead generator for just general consulting work, um, which is one way to go with it. Or you can maybe partner with another consultant and kind of refer them all these leads. Like these are the reports, and these clients have work that's ready to go, and um, you can kind of be like a referral engine for these other consultants. You know, right. Um, yeah, and I've talked to people who wanted to use Audit Shark, uh, like a managed services provider. Who, um, you know, they basically, basically what they have is they manage the environments of other companies. So they're an IT company; they might have fifty or hundred employees, and they manage the environments of all these 
small companies, small to medium companies, maybe a, several hundred employees, up to 500 employees, but they don't want to pay for the technical staff. So they basically lease it from this managed services provider. And I've had conversations with managed services providers who want to say, take Audit Shark and say, hey, we'll come into your environment and we'll, we'll do the audit for you. And they basically just use my software. And then from that, it generates this work. Well, then they go to the customer and say, hey, you've got all these problems in your environment. We can come fix them and here's the price for that. So it's essentially generating, you know, uh, invoices that they can send to their customers or at yeah. least work orders that they can put in front of their, their customers say, hey, would you like us to come fix this? Exactly. Um, I, I really like it. So, I mean, I, th I think there is, you know, potential for whatever, like maybe some kind of like referral fee income after the initial audit um, or something, something along those lines. But, um, you know, about the initial audit itself, what I'm also interested in is how you use your software, which you have at your disposal, to deliver the service. And I can only imagine it's delivered way more efficiently than if you didn't have the software at your disposal, right? Like, I, I guess I'm curious to know, like, one of these other managed, um, you know, man, you know, uh, what, do you, what do you call them? MSP, MSP. Yeah, one of these other MSP companies, they must do an initial, initial audit with new clients, right? So, like, how would, how would they go about it? And what would their process look like if they don't have Audit Shark? So essentially what they do is they do what's called a paid discovery. Um, it's a discovery engagement to go in and take a look at the environment. So with a managed services provider, let's say that they're going into a customer that has 100 employees and they've got you know 150 computers or something like that because they have servers and workstations and laptops. And what they'll do is they'll say, okay, we, we, we need to quote you a, a monthly price to manage your environment, but we don't know what you have. And you don't necessarily know what you have either. So what we'll do is we'll do a paid discovery engagement. And in that, the customer pays the managed services provider to come in and basically take a look at everything and analyze it. Um, and it might last a week, it might last three or four. It depends on the customer. And of course, the longer it goes, the you know it's, it's going to go longer the larger the customer is, but it's also going to cost more as well. And it's just a discovery. I mean, the customer doesn't really get anything out of it other than a hopefully better price or hopefully a more accurate price. But that's mm -hmm. the whole purpose of that discovery from the managed services provider uh, standpoint because they want to make sure that they're quoting somebody accurately. The last thing they want to do is get into an environment that they thought was 100 machines. Turns out that it's 175 because there's all these computers that are tucked away under different things and running outdated software and not patched. And then basically, because they're taking it over, they have all this extra work that they now have to do. Really what they just want is they want a easy customer and you know they, they want to be able to charge them more and do less work. Yeah. But, but Autoshark helps them define that, and that's what the discovery is for, is to make sure that they're not shooting themselves in the foot when they take over that environment, because it's now their responsibility. Right. So, I mean, I guess in a way, like the value proposition that you would offer to a company or perhaps another managed service provider is that you make that initial discovery period uh, happen automatically, or I mean, I guess a combination of automated software and some kind of analysis, and it happens faster. Um, and, and I mean, you know, there can be a price benefit there as well, right? Like if, if they're, you're kind of comparing paying some company by the week for some open-ended audit process that we don't know what that's going to look like or paying Audit Shark for like a, a three-day run it through the Audit Shark software kind of, you know, and like behind the scenes, you don't even, you can just use your software. The, the company doesn't necessarily need to know or care that you guys have this tool. They just know that you guys do it 
much more efficiently and more thoroughly. I mean, you were talking before about how most of the time they're they're doing sampling, so they're only seeing like a percentage of all the computers on the network. But you guys actually are able to scan all computers on the network, um, right? Yeah, and that's that's kind of the the value proposition to those managed services providers is that they're able to get detailed information about every machine, and they don't have to do the sampling, so they're not guessing about what it is that they're getting into. They can get you know like okay, they have 175 machines. These are all the different operating systems, service packs, etc. And then they can go back to the customer, and instead of having to charge them for a three week discovery, maybe they only have to charge them for a one week discovery, and it puts them in a better position to you know especially if the company is looking at different managed services providers and they say, well, we can get a discovery from this one and they're only, only going to charge us $5,000 for a one-week discovery versus this other one, which is going to charge us $15,000. It's going to take them three weeks. Right. So, you know, it's the same price per week, but, you know, it's three weeks versus one week. Right. Um, and, you know, and they may get, and they may need to get into conversations about why it takes them a lot less time, but... Um, at the same time, they can you know provide detailed results and say, hey, we can, we've got automated tools behind it, and that's why we're able to deliver so much quicker. And if you have a choice between two different MSPs, one of them says who can get it can get it done in one week versus another one that says they can get it done in three weeks, you know, and presuming you're getting the same or you know better quality, why wouldn't you go with the person who can do it in fast and less time? Yeah, exactly. And then you can even. Uh, separate the paid discovery, like just go to Audit Shark for the discovery, get the report, bring it to an, M- an MSP for, mm-hmm. for, to get the work done. Um, so, you know, the, the, I guess the final piece of this is that having the software and having this standard process for how to run an audit, especially using the software, it's even more standardized because it's kind of step by step. You take this, this list of requirements, plug it into the, into the software, generate the report, make some analysis of it. Um, I'm sure there's there's a couple steps in between, but it, it really lends itself well to building systems, processes, and then you can kind of delegate it to a team. Mm-hmm. Is, yep. that, is that like something that you've started to do at all or you plan to do? I, I haven't started that process yet. I'm still trying to figure out the pricing and making sure that I can scale up the marketing efforts and things like that. I, I think that once I get to a point where I have a solid pipeline coming in of leads and prospects for the service, then I think that, that it makes more sense to do then. But right now I feel like I need to be heavily involved in it just because I need the information. It's not about the scaling. It's about getting the information to be able to dial it in uh, accurately so that I know exactly who to target, what it is that they're interested in, and you know what sorts of things they need in terms of follow-ups and reporting and things like that. I like it. Well, uh, Mike, sounds sounds great. You know, excited to hear the uh, the progress on on Audit Shark, and excited to hear where where it goes next. So, um, so yeah, we'll we'll keep in touch. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And if anyone you know wants to check out Audit Shark, it's at of course auditshark.com. And uh, you guys should definitely uh, listen to Startups for the rest of us, Mike's podcast. Um, where else can people uh, connect with you? Uh, I also have a blog at singlefounder.com, and um, I also have a, a, a handbook for entrepreneurs at singlefounderhandbook.com. Uh, it's more helpful for probably a software developer building a business, but um, talks a little bit about uh, productized services as well. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend that. I have a copy of it, and uh, it's really um, you know exhaustive into starting a business. <laughs> I, I know that there are a lot of people... Um, in this community here that are just leaving their job for the first time and, and kind of getting something up and running. And that is a really great resource to, uh, to check out. So, um, 
Yeah, thanks again, Mike. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. Get all the show notes for this entire season at productizepodcast.com. And to get my free Productize Crash Course, where I share my best strategies for launching and sustaining your Productize service business, head over to productizecourse.com. All right, time to get back to working on the business.